Hello, and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, I'm not a role model. That's right, it's the Hawkeye preview episode in which I talk about the Marvel Studios Legends recap of Hawkeye's story in the MCU so far, as well as dig into Matt Fraction's My Life as a Weapon. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show by purchasing There Was an Idea merchandise. Link is in my bio on Instagram and in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. It's finally almost here, everybody. Hawkeye will be premiering on Disney Plus on Wednesday, November 24th. What a way to ring in the holiday season, the night before Thanksgiving, the MCU's first real foray into holiday storytelling with the Disney Plus series Hawkeye. Before I get into the content of this episode, which will be all about Hawkeye, I just wanted to share a couple of notes on what's coming soon for the podcast. As you likely know, two episodes of Hawkeye will premiere on Wednesday the 24th on Disney Plus. And so I will be splitting up my podcast episodes on those two. The first one will be out on the weekend after Thanksgiving. It'll just be me talking about episode one of Hawkeye, sharing my thoughts and reactions. And as always on There Was an Idea, the big ideas that are emerging, the themes and concepts from the show. And then I will be joined by two special guests to dig into the ideas of episode two. We'll also talk about episode one, but then to do a deep dive into episode two, And that episode will be up Monday the 29th or early morning, Tuesday the 30th. One other logistical note, if you've been following There Was an Idea since the beginning or for a while now, you will know that I had set the precedent of labeling my episodes by season number. I originally did this because when I first started the podcast, there was no new content coming out. It was all digging into the old films. And so I divided seasons one and two into two different categories of of films by theme. And then I called WandaVision season three, Falcon season four, and Loki season five. Recently, you may have noticed that I have not been labeling episodes in this way because it got a little confusing with new movies coming out and doing first reactions to those as well as deep dive analysis to those at the same time What If was airing, but I wasn't doing a single podcast episode on each episode of What If, I kind of interweaved those discussions in with some other stuff. I've been doing other types of episodes like the drafts and some top fives and things like that. So I've gotten away from labeling the content of the podcast as seasons. But that being said, I will be calling Hawkeye season six just for ease of access. So this episode will be 6.0, my preview episode, and then the subsequent episodes of the Hawkeye series will be 6.1, 6.2, etc. So let's talk about Hawkeye. There are two different avenues that I want to follow in this preview episode today. The first is, what have we seen from Hawkeye up to this point in the MCU? And how is this series going to be in conversation with that and continue his MCU story? And then the other is, it seems very clear from conversations I've listened to on other podcasts and things that I've read that the Hawkeye Disney Plus series is very much inspired by author Matt Fraction and illustrator David Aha's run of Hawkeye in the comics. At the recommendation of Mav, who's been a guest on the show many times, and Kristen Donnelly, who's been a guest on the show, I have read Matt Fraction's run of Hawkeye and absolutely loved it. 
So I wanted to take some time to talk specifically about volume one, My Life as a Weapon, on the show today as well, and share what that book did for me in terms of my relationship to the Hawkeye character and what I can already see as being an influence of that book on the show from from what we've already seen in the trailer and the extended preview on Disney Plus Day and even in the artwork and the advertising around the show. So let's start, though, with MCU Clint. On Disney Plus, as you may know, there is the Marvel Legends series of five to 12-ish minute episodes that come out prior to a new release in the MCU that kind of catch audiences up on where characters have been and where they're currently at within the MCU. They've done this for all of the shows and films that have come out this year. And I specifically talked about the ones for Wanda and Vision on my WandaVision preview episode, as well as there, there were four prior to Falcon and the Winter Soldier that focused on some of those characters. And I really like these in that this is an exercise that I would have wanted to do myself anyway, which is to sort of say, let's piece together the key moments from these characters' journeys into one coherent story and think about what patterns or themes have come up for them in their story so far and to think about what we've learned about who these characters really are so far and what questions we have about where they might go next. I think more practically, they serve as a reminder for a lot of fans who are more casual fans than me or than many of you who are listening to sort of go back and say, oh yeah, what was Bucky's deal again? Oh, where, where did we see Sam Wilson before? So I certainly recommend these episodes and specifically the Hawkeye one, which I, I think is the best one they've done to anyone who wants that refresher on where this character has been, but also to anyone who, like me in the past, has been sort of a Hawkeye detractor. For me, he was never the character who stood out in Avengers or in Age of Ultron. If anything, I kind of thought he was the one who was easy to pick on, kind of the the lame one in the bunch who, who I didn't pay as much attention to. But seeing these different pieces of his story recontextualized here in the Legends episode, I think does a really good job of showing just how much there really is to dig into with this character. There's a lot of story there, and there are some compelling questions related to his psychology that I hope the show is going to dig into some more. And I've already talked about on the podcast how much my relationship to the character has changed over time. He was somebody who... I didn't have as much resonance with early on in my relationship to the MCU. And he was somebody who was kind of easy to take some cheap shots at here and there. And so that it can be funny uh, to, to kind of pick on Hawkeye. But I think the very reasons why he's been picked on are also the reasons that make him interesting. And I've definitely come, uh, come along further than that in my interest in the character. So, so let's talk about the Legends episode. Begins with a voiceover from the Hawkeye series in which Clint is saying, I'm not a role model. I'm not a role model to anyone. Never have been. So immediately this is interesting, right? Because this is very much connected to what we know is going to happen in the Hawkeye show, which is that Kate Bishop takes on this role of being a, his protege of sorts and someone who does look up to him. So while he's saying he's not a role model, he's kind of denying He's denying that role. He's refusing that call that... that She's calling him to, 
But we also know that it's actually not quite true. So we see that there's a disconnect between how he views himself and how he has been viewed before. Because even within this Legends episode, we're going to see a couple of callbacks to moments in which he was serving as a role model to others, to Natasha, to Wanda, to his own kids. So again, that's something that I think is compelling and a thread for us to follow. From there, the episode mostly shows clips from the different films in order as they were released and reminding us of what Clint's role was in each of those films. But it's not just that either. I like how I like how this one, maybe more than some of the others, is also really kind of telling a coherent story about his journey. Or maybe that's me reading into it. But regardless, I'll share what what I am reading into it then. So we start with clips from Thor, which is one that I think a lot of more casual fans might forget that Hawkeye was actually introduced in the Thor movie. I like how they did this early on in phase one of the MCU, that you get this introduction to Hawkeye in Thor, you get the introduction to Natasha in Iron Man 2, before you then meet them in the Avengers. So even though they didn't have their own movies, they weren't entirely new to you. Although that being said, we don't learn too much about Hawkeye from that Thor movie. And we also don't learn too much about him from the Avengers 2012 either which again is maybe the reason why you can take some cheap shots at him. I'm reminded of the SNL bit that Jeremy Renner himself participated in, in which in which some of the SNL actors are playing the other Avengers and he's playing himself as Hawkeye. And and the, the joke is essentially that Hawkeye shoots arrows and he's, he's kind of the weak one of the group. And uh, it's definitely been part of the conversation all along. But regardless, we see here his nickname, The Hawk, We see the scene in which Loki uses the scepter on him and says, you have heart. So again, all along, Hawkeye, Clint is the one who has the heart. He's the one who is human here. But because he's not himself in the Avengers, because he is being mind controlled by Loki, we still don't really get to know him, at least not through himself. We do get to know him a bit indirectly through Natasha's story to Loki. Now, this is something that I really loved about about how they edited the Legends episode is they cut from her telling Loki Agent Barton was sent to kill me to the scene in Black Widow in which Natasha visits Yelena in Budapest or Budapest as she says and Yelena is asking is pointing out the the bullets on the wall of the safe house which we know Natasha used to stay in and says what bullet does that and she says not bullets it's arrows and then it cuts back to her and Avengers saying he made a different call in in that He didn't kill her. So I like this, right? This is what the MCU has done really well is over the course of all of these interweaving films, we're filling in gaps in the story. We're seeing things that previously we had just been told. And so I like that they're editing it in this way. So for any fans who are not doing the mental exercise of piecing together what happened when and really imagining that in that storyline order to themselves, it's showing us that here in in the Legends episode. They do this again after they show a few more clips from Avengers. They show the Budapest scene in which Clint says to Natasha, you and I remember Budapest very differently. And then they cut back to Black Widow with Natasha telling Yelena the story of them attempting to kill Drakeoff and hiding out in the train station vents. So, Again, this recontextualizes for us 
This also establishes how important Clint's connection to Natasha is for his story. And it's also intentional that we're seeing Yelena here because we do know that she is going to show up in the Hawkeye series. So so I think they did a, a great job of interweaving these aspects that we learned from the Black Widow movie into Clint's story here. Then we move into scenes from Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron is, of course, the film that establishes Clint's connection to his family, his wife, Laura, played by Linda Cardellini, and his kids. One of the crucial scenes here in which his wife is is talking to him about his role as an Avenger, and she refers to the other's members as those gods. And he says, you don't think they need me. And she says, I think they do, which is a lot scarier. They're a mess. And he says, I guess they're my mess. And this is important, I think, because in these early films, we really don't get as much time with Clint as we do with some of the other Avengers. And it's tough to really see who he is as a person. And this is a rare glimpse into him. It often comes through his relationships with other people that we learn about him. So his relationship with Natasha and also here with his wife, Laura, we're seeing how other people see him. So for Natasha, he was this hero in a way, a role model, right? He was going to kill me. He made a different call. He taught her how to be a shield agent. He brought her into this world of the Avengers his wife is seeing him as a hero. He's not a god, but she knows that he is necessary on this team. So even though we're kind of being told that and not shown that just yet in Age of Ultron, which is one of my critiques, I do think it's important now as we see as we see it as a piece of the larger story of Hawkeye. Then one of the best Hawkeye moments ever also comes from Age of Ultron, the scene with Wanda when he asks her, are you up for this? And he says to her, you know, I'm going out there because this is my job. If you step out that door, you are an Avenger. And this, again, is another example of him being a role model, of him keeping it real with Wanda and telling her that she has a choice. This is the choice I've made. If you make this choice, you're an Avenger, too. And we know what choice Wanda makes. In Age of Ultron, we also see that Hawkeye is willing to sacrifice himself. He is willing to sacrifice himself to go run after that little kid and shield him from the incoming fire. But then we also know that it's Pietro who makes the sacrifice instead and dies here. This also sets up an ongoing trend for Hawkeye, which we'll get back to in a few minutes. Not too much Clint in Civil War, although I do like the line, I retire for five minutes and it all goes to shit, which is funny and also reminds us that despite the fact that he tried to make the choice to go and live as a normal guy with his family. He can't ignore the call to do this job, to do this work, and to to do what's right. We also see some more Clint and Wanda interaction in Civil War, which is great. Infinity War and Endgame. We know he's on house arrest after the Sokovia Accords. We see that cute scene in which he calls his daughter Hawkeye. He's a role model here, again, in contrast to the voiceover at the very beginning of this brief 12-minute episode of Legends. He calls his daughter Hawkeye. He is being a role model. He's teaching her how to shoot, and it's it's very sweet. I like how they intercut the scenes of him fighting as Ronan with the scenes of him running around the farm looking for his kids after Thanos' snap, what we now know was Thanos' snap. And then, of course, one of the most powerful scenes in all of the MCU, the scene with Clint and Natasha in Endgame. Once again, Clint is willing to make the sacrifice. 
tell my family I love them. He's going to be the one to sacrifice himself for the Soul Stone. He feels the guilt over what he did as Ronin, but also we've seen before he is willing to make that sacrifice play. But this is the second time his sacrifice play has been thwarted. And it is Natasha who is the one who dies for the Soul Stone. So there's something really interesting to unpack here. He is the one who keeps surviving. What does that do to a person? He is the one who, thinking about it, probably shouldn't have survived as he did fighting with the Avengers for so many years because he doesn't have superpowers. He's the one who has perhaps the most reason to walk away because he has this loving family. But when he's tried to walk away, he comes back. And every time he's been willing to really lay his life down, someone else has kind of beaten him to it. So thinking about the implications that that would have on his psychology, survivor's guilt is a very real thing that I think he'd be feeling after the loss of Natasha because they were so close. Natasha was somebody who he took under his wing. And I'm sure he feels in many, re- in many ways responsible for her death. And I'm really hoping that the show digs into that and perhaps... That is part of the reason why he is so reluctant to take Kate under his wing. And then we also see another clip of his relationship to Wanda when he says, I wish there was a way that I could let her know that we won, that we did it. And Wanda says she knows. And so like WandaVision picks up from there and digs into the grief that Wanda is experiencing over over the loss of Vision and this experience in general, I am hoping that the Hawkeye show will show some of Clint's dealing with this loss of Natasha. And then some other really good editing that we see here in the Legends episode, his reunion with his kids and with Laura, and then a flashback to that moment, the forehead touch between him and Nat before they start duking it out over who is going to sacrifice themselves. And then it cuts to Yelena's forehead touch with the gravestone and Valentina's voice asking her if she wants a shot at the guy who is responsible for his sister's death and the picture of Clint. So very much looking forward to seeing Yelena in the Hawkeye series. And I really hope that we see some conversation between Clint and and Yelena about Natasha and about those uh, moments on Vormir. So I think between this role model motif and this idea of being willing to sacrifice but repeatedly surviving and what that does to a person, and of course, in terms of plot, the fact that Yelena is coming after him, I think this sets us up nicely for what we might see in the Hawkeye show as pertains to Clint's MCU journey so far. And as I've already mentioned, this is what I love about the MCU's storytelling so much, is that with each of these Disney Plus series, we really have been able to fill in some gaps with characters to be able to take a a deeper dive into their psychology. And I'm very, very excited for what this show is is going to do for our relationship to, to Clint Barton in that way. Now, as I've said, in addition to MCU Clint being an important character for us to catch up with before the series begins next week, we also have comics Clint. As we know, as MCU fans, oftentimes while the films and the series have borrowed from some general outlines of characterization for some of the characters or some general plot points, they often go in very, very different directions with a lot of our characters. So specifically, for example, Clint Barton does not have a family in the comics. So this is something that is a huge difference. But I do think that it seems clear from the trailers and the advertising that the Hawkeye series will borrow from the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye. Perhaps more 
than any other film or series has before. And this may be because Matt Fraction's Hawkeye was incredibly successful and seen as really reviving the character and bringing the character to a larger audience in in many ways. So I'm going to dig into specifically volume one, My Life is a Weapon. Before I do that, I want to obviously give a spoiler warning for that comic book. If you are interested in reading it, I highly recommend it. So please do that. And if you, if you don't want to hear any details about it before you do so, I would turn the episode off now. And if you're not specifically concerned about spoilers for My Life as a Weapon, but you would rather not hear things that could potentially make their way into the TV series, I would also include that as, I suppose, a, a speculation or potential spoiler warning as well, because I don't know just how much the series will be borrowing from the comic. So if there are specific plot points from the comic that make their way in there that you would have rather not have known, uh, this might also be a time in which you want to turn the episode off. All right, so Hawkeye, Volume 1, My Life as a Weapon, written by Matt Fraction, artist for issues number 1 through 3, David Aha, artist for issues number 4 and 5, Javier Polito, color artist, Matt Hollingsworth, letterer, Chris Eliopoulos. Hope I'm saying that right. Trade paperback version of this was published in 2013. And in this collection is not only issues number one through five from Hawkeye, which comprise this volume one of Hawkeye, but also Young Avengers Presents number six, which was also written by Matt Fraction. I love this book, you guys. And it came highly recommended, as I've mentioned numerous times before. But even just picking it up and looking at the cover art that's got these great purple tones to it, that's very much something they're incorporating in, in the advertising for the series. And on the back, this is what it says, Fraction, Aha, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Cars, Guns, and Videotape. Clint Barton, aka the self-made hero Hawkeye, fights for justice, dot, 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 and good rooftop barbecues. And with young Avenger Kate Bishop by his side, he's out to get some downtime from being one of Earth's mightiest heroes. Matt Fraction and David Aha, who also did Immortal Iron Fist together, this is another one that I've heard great things about, reunite to tell the ongoing tales of the Arrow Avenger. Barton and Bishop mean double the Hawkeye and double the trouble. If that's not enough to hook you, I don't know what is. This is such a good book. It opens, and I should say, and I should say most, if not all, of these issues one through five open with, okay, this looks bad. And it's some scene depicting Clint in what appears to be a near-death situation. The first one is an image that we as MCU fans would recognize. It's Clint falling downward. We have an aerial view of him. He is kind of looking up toward the sky or toward the viewer, and he's got his his uh, bow pulled back. I'm realizing that comics are such a visual medium and podcasting is such an audio medium that it, it seems a bit silly to be describing the visual of the, the comic book. However, I, I promise I'm not going to do too much of that as I talk about this. I'll kind of stick to, to the big characterization and the big, the big ideas here. And then on the next page, it says, Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, became the greatest sharpshooter known to man. He then joined the Avengers. This is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. That's all you need to know. Love this as a premise. This is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. Again, it's so accessible. And one of the things I've talked about on the podcast before is that I do really enjoy 
these micro stories within the larger interweaving tapestry of the MCU. I really do like this street level stuff, the street level fights. And here's Clint Barton, who is living in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, not being an Avenger. This is the kind of stuff that I always talk about being interested in. What are these people doing on their days off? What does their relationship to each other look like? I've talked about this numerous times. Trey joked about it on the MCU character draft, but Age of Ultron, when they're all wearing flannels and sweatshirts and they're hanging out at the farm, what are those scenes like? I wanted more of that found family, wanted more of them hanging out at the Tony Stark parties. And in Hawkeye, My Life as a Weapon, while you don't get his interaction with the other Avengers, you do get his interaction with Kate Bishop. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because... In issue one, Kate Bishop is not yet there. And in issue one, what we first see after that page I just read to you is a scene in which Clint is falling from a building, falls on top of a car, and the next panel, he's just laid out on a hospital bed, bandages all over his body, casts all over his body, and a doctor is listing out the long list of injuries that he has. So it's very much leaning into Clint, the ordinary guy. And telling stories at that level of him trying to do right in Brooklyn. Clint also describes himself on this first page as, I'm an orphan raised by carnies fighting with a stick and a string from the Paleolithic era. And then he goes on to say, Paleolithic. I looked it up. This depiction of Clint is really funny, too. And we do get some humor from Clint in the MCU. I really particularly like the way Jeremy Renner plays the scene in Ultron when he pretends like he's going to shoot Pietro. And he's like, nobody would know. Nobody. And it'd be cool to see a little bit more of that sarcastic side of Clint. And I I definitely think that comes through in in this version of him in the comics. He also makes a joke here at the hospital about the Avengers HMO. And that kind of reminded me of Falcon and the Winter Soldier when they're talking about Tony Stark not paying them and things like this. And I'm curious to see what they do on the Hawkeye show, how much they lean into his being an ordinary guy. Are we going to see him with injuries in the hospital like we see him here in in the comic? In the first issue, we are introduced to... Clint's landlord, Ivan, and his, quote, tracksuit mafia. Ivan's this big bully, the landlord of the building that Clint lives in. And you can just see that despite his sarcasm, Clint really cares for the people who he hangs out with on the roof of the building. And Ivan is raising rents and threatening to evict everyone. And basically the conflict that plays out in this first issue is that Clint confronts confronts Ivan and brings the money to pay everybody's rent. So we see, you know, he's really, he's a good guy. The tracksuit mafia are these hilarious goon-like villains who say bro constantly. It's bro this, bro that. It's hilarious. And the other important thing that happens in issue one is that Clint adopts, although it's reluctantly, he adopts a dog. It's this dog that he saves. It's a dog who he calls a pizza dog, and it is super adorable. I am also not including all of the details here. I'm going to purposely leave some things out so that if you do read it, you haven't read it yet, you'll uh, you'll enjoy some of the other cute little things that, that occur here. The second issue also opens with, okay, this looks bad. And this time we see Clint diving underwater, shots being fired at him, and he's with a girl who we're going to find out is Kate Bishop. We go back and we see he's in his apartment. He's hanging out with Kate. They're both wearing purple. It looks fantastic. And I should state that the story is written from the perspective of Clint. So he says, this is Kate Bishop. 
Kate took over for me as Hawkeye once upon a time when I was, well, dressing up like a ninja, sort of, is the short version. She's without a doubt the finest and most gifted bowman I've ever met, but she's like nine years old and spoiled rotten. She's pretty great. So I think this speaks so much about their relationship here in the comic, and this is the kind of stuff that I hope that they incorporate into the show. This banter, they really pick on each other, but it's out of love. And he repeatedly says in this comic, in the narration, that Kate is perfect and that he loves her. And it's very familial. There's a scene in in one of these issues where he's talking to her and he says, I don't want to sleep with you. And she's like, ew, well, that would be gross. Anyway, acknowledging there's a big age difference between them. But historically in the comics, it should be stated that Clint is not a family guy. Clint is this bachelor. In issue three here, actually, we see him. We see him hooking up with a random woman. And he that's kind of what it seems like he does. But he that's not the type of relationship that he has with Kate. In issue two, they go to the circus, which is great. Um, there's some nods here to Clint's circus history in the comic. I mentioned before that he mentions being raised by carnies. And when I say they go to the circus, it's more of like a very fancy Cirque du Soleil luxury type event. So they're both dressed up. Clint is wearing a tux. And I know he's wearing a tux in some of the scenes from the trailers. I'll be honest, I haven't rewatched the trailers recently now that we're getting closer. I feel like I don't I don't need to again. I'll let myself be surprised. But I wonder if we're going to see any scenes like this play out. Wilson Fisk, Kingpin, also shows up in this issue. And I know that's something that a lot of fans are speculating about whether or not we will see this character show up in the MCU, if it will be Vincent D'Onofrio's version of the character from Daredevil, the Netflix show, and what that means for whether or not Netflix shows are going to be brought in, if they're canon and this and that. But not to get into too much of that speculation, but he is an important character here in the Hawkeye comic. He shows up in a couple of issues. And in this one, there's also the important scene where Clint is talking with Kate on the phone just about how much he wants her to, to be by his side and fighting by his side. And she, he, it's it's funny. I, I won't spoil exactly what the conversation is, but he essentially he calls her good and smart. And he says, Katie, I look at you and I think you're a lot like me. And this is another thing that I think we're going to see in the show, what this kind of kinship is between these two people. I'm very much looking forward to that. So again, street level, Clint's doing his thing in Brooklyn. He helps out the people in his building, but he's also finding between the circus thing and he's clipping, make, taking clippings from newspapers and he's finding that there's some bizarre crime scene happenings going on throughout uh, throughout the city and really connected to things all over the world. So so this is what he's looking into, what's, what's motivating him here. Oh, the next issue has a fantastic scene and kind of like an ongoing bit that plays out so nicely about the trick arrows. We already know from the clip that was released on Disney Plus Day that there will be a car chase trick arrow scene in which Clint and Kate are talking about the the trick arrows and Kate is excited about the different types of arrows and things like this. And that is lifted directly from the comic. Well, almost directly. Again, it's through this woman who Clint sleeps with that he gets this car, the car that I believe is the same as the one that they're really attracted to in that clip that came out on Disney+. And this this car chase ensues. So obviously things are different in the MCU. We already talked about MCU Clint, how vital his family is to his story. So there's not going to be any sleeping with a random woman here. That would be kind of character assassination, I think. But we are seeing how I think they're very much inspired by the spirit of this comic and as well as borrowing some of the imagery in, in some of the bigger set pieces, it seems. 
And we do see the tracksuit guys in the trailer and in that scene as well. And there's a Easter egg of something bro on their on their truck. This is a shout out to Daniel, who is very excited about the prospect of the boomerang arrow. There's a really fun bit in the comic with the boomerang arrow. She's like, why the hell do you need an arrow that comes back to you after you shoot it, Clint? But that comment pays off later in the in the episode. Really great use of purple in the comic as well. Kate is wearing purple. Clint even has purple boxer shorts. Clint does get a little bit naked in one of these issues. <laughs> if that's something that is uh, either triggering for you to think about or, <laughs> or something that might intrigue you to, to read this comic. It's obviously an animation. And there's a very clever way in which they decide to not show too much. Issues four and five are a story called The Tape, part one and two. And this is a really fun story that brings us a little bit out of the street level in that some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents actually take Clint off of his roof, off of his rooftop and we see him talking with Maria Hill and Captain America. And there is this mysterious tape out there that shows evidence of a S.H.I.E.L.D. sanctioned and therefore U.S. government sanctioned political assassination of Clint killing someone. And so he goes off to Majapur. Now, this is another thing, another piece of speculation or uh, something that could be interesting to do in the MCU series, which would be to bring Clint to Majapur or mention Majapur again. We haven't seen Majapur since Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so that could be interesting. There's another character who's introduced in the tape as well, which is Madame Mask, and not sure if we're going to see, not that she's introduced here, obviously she had been in comics before, but she's introduced into his story here. Not sure if we're going to see Madame Mask in the series either. Uh, they could even do this tape sort of thing because it really is a very fun story how it plays out in these issues. There could be, for example, a tape of Clint in his Ronin days. That's something that they could certainly play with if they want to take some inspiration from, from the comic. It's a really funny bit in which Kate was posing as Madame Mask and, and it's kind of just you know deepening the relationship between Clint and Kate and they're learning about each other. They call each other Hawkeye. And uh, there's a twist about this whole tape thing that I won't even reveal. I know I said spoilers for the comics, but and I'm certainly spoiling some things, but I kind of want some of it to be left to listeners to, to discover for themselves as well. So there is a, a fun reveal about this whole tape situation. And then ends with Clint back in the hospital in his, in his uh, purple boxer shorts, and he's all bandaged up again. It's fantastic. Really, really love this book. And the follow-up is called... Hawkeye Volume 2, Little Hits. Excellent follow-up, more fun stories. And maybe at some point I will talk about that here on the podcast as well because, because there is actually <laughs> an issue in Volume 2 that is told purely from the perspective of the pizza dog. And that would be really fun to see if they bring in elements of that into, into the series. But for now... I'll leave my discussion of the Hawkeye comics with my life as a weapon, hopefully to whet some people's appetite who maybe haven't read it yet. And and if you haven't, I hope I didn't give away too, too much if you're still here and listening to this. Some people I know need some detail before they actually will go ahead and read the thing or watch the thing. So maybe this, this did that for you. Maybe if you have read the comic, but not recently. Maybe this was a, a fun refresher before the series comes out, or maybe if you know and love the comic really well, you have other things that you might want to 
add or or to discuss with me about your feelings on it. So as always, you can reach out to me at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm so excited for this series. It's something about the the time of year that it's premiering and the fact that it's tied into the holidays, the fact that it's based on a comic that I really connected with. All of the reasons why I explained it before about why I find Hawkeye's uh, Clint's story so compelling. I'm excited to meet Kate Bishop in the MCU and get to know her. And I think we're going to be in for a really fun couple of months here on the podcast talking about Hawkeye and talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Thank you for listening. You can check out some There Was an Idea merchandise in the link in the show notes. As always, artwork by Brooke Pender, music by Demeter Salvia. You can find their links in the show notes as well. And stay tuned next week for my thoughts on the big ideas in episode one of Hawkeye.